0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. How are you? You doing good? Yes, what a great time of worship together. And uh, I am super excited to be able to share with you about a topic from God's Word that uh, it has tremendous power in our lives. And uh, before I get into that, I want to say a special welcome to all of you who are here for the very first time. You have actually taken a big step in the subject we're going to talk about, because I'm going to talk about fear this morning. And I know it's not easy to walk into a church where you're not sure that that you might know anybody or maybe only one or two people, and you don't know how that's going to go. So hey, let's give it up for people who are here for the first time. That's a We are so glad you're here. And uh, we hope this morning is a great experience for you. Uh, You are our guests, and so I want to explain a couple of things to you just so that uh, you don't get left behind in all that goes on here today. Uh, If you'll take your program and pull out two things, the long skinny card and, and the sheet of notes that says New Life Notes at the top, that looks like this. Those are two really important pieces of information that you will need for the morning. Let's start with a long skinny card. It says start here on this side. This is what we commonly call a connect card. It gives everyone who comes uh, the opportunity to request information, volunteer for something, sign up for an event, uh, submit a, a request for prayer that we could pray, uh, that our staff could pray for you about. Any number of things, this is how you get it done. So, at this point in our service, we always remind everyone, please fill out the contact information. So uh, those of you who are brand new, uh, you can do it along with the rest of us. Put your name and, and email address in there. And if you come here all the time and you have a new email address, this would be a good time to write it down so we can get that corrected Every almost every week. My heart is saddened because someone turns in a Connect card and it has some really important information on the back side but they neglected to put their name and contact information on the front side, and we have no way to follow up. So if you get that done a little bit later in the service, we'll be passing baskets through the audience, and you can put those in there, and that way they'll get in our hands. This is our teaching notes. You'll want to grab that. Every Sunday at New Life is a learning experience. Uh, this uh, This morning will be no different. So Uh, We always supply those to help you learn and help you retain what you have learned. So get the pencil out that's in the chair in front of you or on the seat where you're sitting and uh, get ready to fill in the blanks. And I'm going to give you some other things to write down this morning, uh, so I know you're going to want to get ready for that. Before I jump into that, I have one more thing to say to you, and that is we, three times a year, we offer a really special class for people who are new to our church. Um, It used to be called Foundations. It's now called Intro. And so uh, we have, uh, it's a two-session class. It's coming up May the 4th and May the 18th. Usually they're in successive Sundays, but May the 11th is Mother's Day, and we want to give you the Sunday to be in here with your moms. So um, this would be a good time to sign up. On the back of your Connect card there is a place at the bottom that says intro. If you're new to our church, I want to do everything I can to encourage you to take this class. It is fun. It's fast-paced. You check your kids into uh, the children's ministry. You go to the classroom at the at the end of the lobby. It takes place during this service. So it's a time you already have set aside on your calendar. Uh, I get to teach it um, so you can tell me afterwards if it was any good, but I have a lot of fun in there. So um, that's how you would do that. Let's talk about fear. In this series called Uncaged, we have been exploring the cages that, that, that keep us distant from God and, and that prevent us from stepping into the life that God has for us. And we've explored a number of cages that, that uh, I think this will be the sixth one in all. If you missed any of the previous five, go to our website, pull up the media, uh, media uh, drop-down menu, and click on podcasts, and listen, because they're all really important. This morning... Let me start with a story. I was five years of age. We were in Nebraska on a trip. We pulled into a gas station. My father got out to to uh, to get the car filled up with gas. I got out to go to the restroom. And as I walked through, the, through what we called the filling station back in those days. Anybody old enough to know what a filling station? Yeah, there you go. Oh, you old timers just like me. All right, here we go. I'd like to tell you I was on Route, on route 66, but I wasn't. Anyway, so Anyhow, um, filling stations all had a garage because they not only filled your car up with gas, but they worked on your cars. I walked through this garage to get to the restroom, and there was a spotless antique fire truck. Now listen, when you're five years of age, you don't really think in terms of a bucket list. But I can tell you on every five-year-old's bucket list, It's the opportunity to ride on a fire truck. Am I right about that? Absolutely. I looked at that fire truck and it was like, oh man, I wonder if I could ride on that. Well, the guy who owned the filling station came in and said, would you like to ride on my fire truck? And at that moment, a petrifying thought hit me. He is going to turn on that siren. And that thing hurts my ears when it's going down the street. I can't imagine how loud that is, sitting on that fire truck. And I went. And my dad was standing there, and he goes, Ron, you're always talking about fire trucks. Don't you want to ride on that fire truck? I'll ride with you. (laughs) Oh, come on. He picked me up and said, let me put you on the fire truck. I turned around, I grabbed his neck, and I hugged on like my life depended on it. He spent the next five minutes trying to talk me into riding on that fire truck because he knew down in here that's what I really wanted. But something stood between me and what I really wanted. I never rode that fire truck. I cried. I got in a car and I rode off. It was 57 years later I rode my first fire truck. (laughs) Fast forward a little bit in my life. I am a senior in high school. My eyes land on a girl that I want to date. I watch her like guys like me who are quiet, and shy I know that's hard to imagine isn't it but I am and the more I watch her the more I fall in love with her and it's October and I sit down with my best friend and I say I am going to ask this lady out because she's the girl of my dreams We had our first date, March 14th, six months later. Now that lady is Monica, the only lady I've ever dated, and I am so delighted, but I cheated her out of six months, right? Sorry about that, babe. That's how it went. Okay? There was something that stood between me and what I really wanted. Now listen, whether it's a fire truck, that's not that big a deal. Dating is a little bit bigger deal. But you know, when it comes to you and God, when it comes to, to you and the life that God has for you, it's just a crying shame that any of us would sit in the cage of fear and look out at what we know God wants for us and what we know could and should be ours. But somehow we just can't get to the door and unlock the cage of fear and we stay there. Now we're not the only people who've had to deal with that. The Bible is filled with stories of people who who were locked in the cage of fear. And this morning we're going to look at one story. It's the story of Saul and Jonathan Two major characters in this story, and we're going to start with Saul. Now, if you take out your notes, you'll look at the beginning of your notes, and next to King Saul's name, you see the words, cage dweller. I want to tell you this morning, when it comes to the cage of fear, actually, when it comes to all of these six cages we've talked about, but for this morning, especially the cage of fear, everyone sitting here is either a cage dweller or a cage breaker. There's not one person who goes through life that doesn't have to struggle with fear. So you either sit in the cage or you get out of the cage. And we're going to talk about how to get out of the cage this morning. But let's start with King Saul because no one decides to be a cage dweller. No one ever looks at life and goes, Man, what I'd like to do is live in this tiny little cage and be afraid of the world. It's the decisions that we make that either take us out of the cage or that lock the door to the cage and keep us in. Saul didn't want to be a cage dweller, but he continually made decisions that kept him in the cage. Let me give you a little of a backstory. Israel, the nation of Israel, has just set up their first monarchy. They have their first king and his name is Saul. So this is King Saul. And None of the nations around Israel know how they're going to behave now that, they've ha- now that they have a king. They've never had a king before, and they never had a standing army before. They were always just sort of a ragtag nation that whenever something happened, they would sort of loosely put together an army, and, and, and if they were walking with God, God would bring deliverance, and if they weren't walking with God, they would get whipped. That's how it worked. And, and so they were not much of a threat to any of the nations around them, but once they got their own king, then all of a sudden they looked different in the eyes of the neighboring countries. And the first neighboring country to challenge them was the country of the Philistines, their neighbor to the southwest. And... and the nation, frankly, was very vulnerable. They had never had a standing army. They didn't have a standing army. All Saul had was 3,000 people total that, that were sort of his guard. Well, the Philistines came up with 6,000 charioteers and an army probably 10 times that size. And so Saul sounds the trumpet and says to everyone in Israel, grab your weapons And meet me over here at this particular place because I'm going to rally the troops. And we have to see if we can withstand this attack from the Philistines. He does sort of what any good king would do. And that is when your country's in danger, you have to marshal the troops and you have to defend your country. So everybody comes and they gather around Saul. And Saul looks around and says, okay, everybody, put your weapons in the air. (laughs) There's only two weapons in the whole army. That, my friends, is a distinct disadvantage. What do you think? You got guys that are waving brooms and clubs and shovels. Here we are, man. And you know what happens when they all look around? Every guy that's coming thinks he's the only guy that doesn't have a weapon. And he's pretty sure the king will have a weapon. Well, when the dust is sort of settled, the king has a weapon. He has a sword. His son, Jonathan has a weapon, he has a sword, and nobody else does. Well, the guys all know what to do at that point. They go, where's the nearest cave? And the Bible says they all went to the caves in the thickets and in the brush, and they got in the depressions and in the ditches. They got anywhere where they could hide. and Hopefully the Philistines could not see them or find them there. And now Saul has to figure out what to do. You know, friends, this is a big test. You and I, well, we've never been king, but we've had big tests in life. This is where we're going to learn about the lesson of fear. I want to read to you what Saul did. Here's what the Bible says that Saul did. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. I want you to underline Saul remained, would you? And then I want you to underline the word fear, and I want you to connect those two. Saul remained. He was in the cage. When confronted with this huge challenge, what's the first thing that Saul does? Nothing. Because here's what you need to know about fear, okay? Okay. We're going to learn three lessons about fear right here. And the first is this, that fear fosters indecision. That's just how it goes. Fear makes us indecisive. And there's a reason why fear makes us indecisive. By the way, if you're here this morning and you've got something in your life and you're sort of of petrified about making a decision about it, you're right in the cage of fear and, and if you feel like it's almost impossible for you to make a decision, there's a reason for that. A lot of studies have shown us this. Take a look at the second lesson we can learn about fear. And that is losses carry a bigger psychological impact than gains. I don't have time to go into all the research. But basically what that means is that losses register larger on our psyche than gains. So you know what? That gives us a natural tendency to avoid loss more than to seek gain. And that's what keeps us in the cage of fear many times. We're more afraid of what we're going to lose than what we might gain. And that's exactly where Saul was. He was a brand new king. This was his first test. He realized that if he didn't pass this test, that the nation probably wouldn't trust him to be their king. He looked around. The, co- the odds were all stacked against him. He was afraid to make a wrong move because of what he might lose. So the Bible says, Saul remained. He just stayed right there. He was afraid to move forward. And here's the third lesson that we can learn about fear. Indecision makes us cage dwellers. Listen, you can write this down in your notes. It's been my observation in life that more people get sidelined through indecision than through bad decisions. It's actually easier to recover from a bad decision, usually, than it is from indecision. So, um, that's the story of Saul. It It was a hopeless situation. I also want you to write this down. It's not in your notes, but I want you to write it in the margin because, here it is, God always has a way. As impossible as that looked, a ragtag army with only two swords against 6,000 charioteers and probably fifty to 60,000 people who are fully armed and all you have is a bunch of farmers with shovels and clubs. Right? That, my friends, is no problem for God. It looks like a horrible problem. But God always has a way. Now... If that's where the story ended, it would be a really sad story. But in that same circumstance, just a few miles away, is Saul's son, Jonathan. And Jonathan has a completely different way of looking at the situation. Let's read it. Here it is. Here's Jonathan's story. Here's how it begins. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped the whole section. Are you ready? We'll back up the train. Go through that section. All right. Let's learn what God has to say about fear. The Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. There's two things we can learn from this. And the first is that this indecision, this indecisive fear, this fear that takes our train and and puts it off of the tracks, God does not give that to us. Now listen, if you've been sidelined through indecision and fear, your your car is off the track, but, but you can't look at God and say, I'm here because of God. Write this down in your notes somewhere. God never uses fear to put you on the sidelines. So when you have that pit in your stomach and you feel like you can't make a decision and you don't know what to do and you're paralyzed sort of in the stream of life, God wants you to know right up front that whatever you're feeling on the inside, that did not come from Him. God just doesn't give that to us. You know what that means? Here's the second thing we can learn about this indecisive fear. It it comes from a mind That isn't working properly. You know what was wrong with Saul's mind? Saul was counting Philistines and swords. And he was so busy counting Philistines and swords that he couldn't actually hear what God had to say. And that's what actually left him in the cage of fear. Because God always has a way. Now let's jump into Jonathan's story because Jonathan was not counting swords and he wasn't counting Philistines. He was actually listening to the voice of God and he recognized that God had a way. So Jonathan said, let's go across to the outpost of these pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bear, now perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf for nothing can hinder the Lord. Don't you love that thing? Nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Just for the sake of contrast. Here's the whole message in sort of four words. What are the first two words that the Bible says about Saul? We read them to, I read them to you. Go back and look at that. It says Saul what? Remained. Remained. What are the first two words it says about Jonathan? Let's what? You see a difference? Yeah. Fear is the thing that always says, let's remain. And faith is the thing that always says, let's go. Let's hear God's voice. Let's do something. Let's learn three principles here as well. And the first is this. If we want God to work through us, we have to take a faith step. You know, Jonathan was listening to God, and Jonathan had this great plan. Now, you and I would look at the plan that Jonathan had, and I'm going to describe it to you, and you go, man, that's a crazy plan. Because here was Jonathan's plan. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, let's step out here into the open, and let's give the Philistines an open shot at us, and the Philistines are all up on this cliff, and we're down in this valley. And you know, if they don't shoot at us, let's start climbing up the cliff. And if they say to us, hey, you guys better go back in the thickets or we'll shoot you, then we'll know God's not, that this is not God's plan. But if they say, hey, come on up here, and they really want to challenge us to battle, then we will know that God has given them into our hands, and God's going to win the victory through us. Now, you and I would look at that plan and go, are you nuts? But you have to understand how they did warfare back in those days. They didn't do warfare like we do. It wasn't quite as sophisticated or maybe even quite as brutal. So here's how they did it. When you wanted to go to war, you got your troops and you marched right out in the open and you took up a position, right, in full view of the enemy. And then the enemy brought all their troops and they marched out and they took up an opposing position and then when every wooden was in place, someone gave the signal and they started shooting. And no one ever thought to shoot ahead of time. That was sort of against the rules. I know. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But that's how they did it. So for Jonathan, for him to step out in the open, he really wasn't that afraid that people were going to shoot him because he was just taking up his position. Now, what was really unusual about this is he was just Jonathan and his armor bearer. And up on the top of this cliff, there was a whole bunch of Philistines. So they step out in the open And the Philistines say, hey, why don't you come on up here? We will show you a thing or two. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? But that's actually what it says. We want to show you something. Come on, let's go engage. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer scramble over to the cliff. And they start climbing up the cliff on their hands and knees. And the Philistines just sit up there and wait. And when they get up, there's all these Philistines Somebody gives a signal and the Bible says that Jonathan starts going around and he's knocking the Philistines down and his armor bearer is coming along and just stamping them. I know that's kind of brutal, right? In the end, it starts a panic in the Philistine army and the whole army starts starts to stampede in the opposite direction and God brought a great victory and all the farmers came out of the ditches with their hoes and their shovels and their clubs and their brooms and started smacking Philistines. Yeah. So the first thing that we learn is if, if we want God to work through us, we have to take a faith step. Jonathan took a faith step. Now what would cause him to take a faith step? That's the second thing we learn. And that is cage breakers are people who are more afraid of missing opportunities than of making mistakes. If there's a mindset that God would would create in each one of us, it would be this thing. Mistakes, honest mistakes, okay? Honest mistakes, not dishonest mistakes, and, 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 and not, what shall I say, mindless mistakes like, I'm going to jump off a cliff and trust that God's going to catch me before I hit the ground. okay? But honest mistakes, God can deal with. They're actually easy for him to deal with. It's when we sit locked in the cage of fear because we're afraid we're going to make a mistake. That God can't do anything with us because we're not taking any steps of faith. The chief difference between Saul and Jonathan was Saul remained. He did nothing. And Jonathan took a faith step, and God could use that. Here's the third thing that we learn. Cage dwellers are often more sure of what they're afraid of than what they actually hope for. And that's sad. When we become more conscious of what we're afraid of, than what, what God actually wants for us in life, then this voice of fear just becomes deafening. Now, here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11. It gives us this wonderful definition of faith. It says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. That's where Jonathan was. He was sure of what he hoped for. He was more sure of what he hoped for than he was afraid of of somehow making a mistake. So he felt empowered to step out and take a step of faith. Why? Because he was actually sure of something that was even deeper than that. And that's the closing thought that I want to give us this morning. And here it is. The closing thought is, Jonathan said, the Lord, perhaps the Lord, will act on our behalf. You see, cage breakers know They believe deeply that God will act on their behalf. And that's why they take a step of faith. In my mind, I put it like this. They give God something to work with. When you sit in the cage and you do nothing, you give God nothing to work with. He has to sit outside the cage and say, hey, would you take a step? Would you take a step? Because if you take a step, I can direct you. As long as you sit in the cage, I can't do anything with you. If you take a step, I can get you back on the track and I can get your life moving again. But as long as you sit in the cage and, and your life is derailed and, and you won't move forward and you won't take a step, I don't have anything to work with. And that's the point, is that Jonathan took a step and he stepped out of the cage of fear. By the way, do you think Jonathan didn't have any fear when he took that step? No, he wasn't crazy. He knew he was facing huge odds. But he also knew that what could be gained that day was fantastic. And he wanted to give God every opportunity to make it happen. And he didn't want to miss that opportunity. Saul sat in Gilgal, actually under a pomegranate tree. You know, sometimes I get the picture of Saul sitting under the pomegranate tree that day scared to death and eating pomegranate seeds and waiting for lightning to strike the Philistines. And Jonathan got out where the action was and took a step of faith. Here's how this comes down for you and me. There are three ways that we can apply this this week. And I want to actually start with number two uh, on your notes and on the Connect card. And the first is, that we can identify a fear frontier in our life that God wants to conquer. This doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't mean that your whole life is on the line. But I'll bet virtually every single person here, and and if we sat with it long enough, every person in this room today could identify some area of your life that you and I are not making progress in because we don't really want to take whatever that next step is because we're afraid of the sacrifice it would require of us we're afraid that other people might not respond to it well. We're afraid that we might make a mistake and not do it well or do it right. And so we sort of take that area of our life and we quarantine it to the corner of our life and there it sits. That's a fear frontier. God would say to us, let's identify what that fear frontier is. And then the second thing, or it's actually the third thing on, on your notes, would be this. Let's take a faith step this week. Let's get that thing out of quarantine and and, and let's identify a faith step we could take and, and let's get on our knees and let's talk to God and say, God, I'm taking this step of faith. Why? Because I believe you are going to act on my behalf. I believe you love me. I believe you care about my life. I believe that you're involved in my life and I believe that you've been waiting for me to take this step and so I'm taking this step this week. And I think it will be a fantastic week of victory for us. We might be as scared as Jonathan was when he stepped out into the open but when we take that step with God even if it's a wrong step did you notice that Jonathan said you know if the Philistines say hey rookies You better go back in the cave because we're going to kill you if you come up here. Well, great. Then they would have stepped back in knowing that that wasn't the right timing. God still had a way. It just wasn't that way. It was only when he took the step of faith that he found out what God's way really was. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to do this week, to take that step of faith in that fear frontier in our life. And then secondly, or actually first on your list, For those of you, the journey with God begins by deciding to become a follower of Christ. Or as we put there, entering into a first-time relationship with Jesus. Because you never get to take the journey with God until you come through Jesus. That's what Jesus himself said. And that's what the whole message of the Bible is, that we come to God through Jesus. By becoming a Christian by becoming a follower of Christ, by coming to God and saying, because of what Jesus did, I know Jesus died for me, and I don't even understand all the logistics of how that works, but I understand the message of the Bible is that because Jesus died for me, I am now free to come to God through Him. And it means taking that step of faith, and it's your first step in getting close to God. It's your first step in stepping out of that cage that has bound you and stepping into the freedom you can have walking with God. If you're ready to take that step, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer and especially a prayer for those of you who are making a first-time decision for Christ. So um, if you're ready to make that decision, then in your heart, in your mind, you can repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died in my place, and because you died, I can come to God through you. Today, I become a follower of Christ. Today, I step out of the cage I've been in, and I believe you will deliver me from the things that hold me back from the life you have for me. Today I choose that life through Jesus. And I make that choice in His name. And then Father, I pray for the rest of us that You would identify in our lives those fear frontiers and that this week would be a fantastic week of taking that faith step so that unlike Saul who remained, we might be like Jonathan who said, let's go. And in going, we would find the way that has always been there for us. I pray it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.